Hi, Filmatics and hi, moguls. Today, we have a special guest for you on the show, Josh Blaylock. Josh is the Chief Creative and Executive Officer for Pop Cultivator and the driving force of Devil's Do Comics. Josh, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so happy to have you. You have just been um, a, a, a tremendous force in the comics world, and I'm just so excited to have you here. And so um, can you give the audience a sense of Pop Cultivator and how it's different from the work you've been doing as a comic book publisher? Sure, yeah. Uh, so Pop Cultivator is a comic book studio, so we're creating comic book content and uh, we'll be setting up different publishing pipelines from there, uh, one of which will be uh, my publishing company. But it's, um, it's the, the unique thing about this is that it is, in a big part, a fan-owned studio. So the fans are literally buying shares in the company. They are helping to fund it, and we are involving them you know, along the way behind the scenes in a lot of what we're building. And... It really uh, gives comic book readers and fans an uh, opportunity to be part of the industry. Okay, so for most in a way that wasn't possible before. Yeah, so for most people tuning in, can you just explain to them a little bit about that because they probably don't know that you are, um, you know, you're doing a crowdfunding. It's a crowdfunding raise for your pop cultiv cultivator. Uh, is that a streaming studio or? Oh yeah, sure. Or publishing studio, so they kind of can just kind of understand it a little bit better. Well, um, so you know, I've been publishing comic books for twenty years. That's uh, mostly print comics that go to the, all the stores around the the world, and you know, we have digital you know versions of those. But um, Pop Cultivator is actually like a a sort of I put together this you know super squad Justice League Avengers task force of uh, myself and some of my favorite people in the comic book industry um, who I've worked with on and off over the years who all have this long you know, experience in the field. Like we have a um, Mike Horn as our chief development officer who started Palisades Toys and knows how to make and produce and, and distribute toys from start to finish. Um, we've got, like, like I'm talking like high-end action figures, collectibles, all that stuff. And then we've got someone, um, Shandi Pasquale, who's a story editor and a screenwriter and works out in Los Angeles. And the list goes on. And we are, we've come together to form this new studio where we're going to be bringing in uh, brand new comic book, brand new concepts, creating comic book stories out of them. We're going to also be helping to fund uh, other comic book creators who, you know, need help getting their projects to completion um, and everything in between. Um, so when we're done, you know, we'll have a piece, like we'll own a piece of those stories. Um, some of the company will own completely because it's developing them in-house. Um, I'm bringing some of my own content over there that uh, I've done over the years and we'll have this whole like IP library. Um, but but it's, um, it is truly born out of this disruption that's going on right now in comics, which is that there's all these new channels to get your comics out there. There's the comic shops, there are uh, web comics, there are dig different digital platforms, 
there's crowdfunding like Kickstarter. Um, all this stuff has just gotten huge and there's more genres than ever before too. And we're, um, we're, we're really, this is really being formed in a way that allows it to be nimble and to, you know, focus on the medium itself, like without having to be beholden to any one pathway, you know, to get that comic book out there. Like we're focusing on the, what's best for the story on a case by case basis. And what's the best way to distribute that? Um, while we're also of course, working to develop it into other media to develop it for film and television and streaming and, uh, to develop it for toys and all other licensing categories you can, you know, you can squeeze in there, but it really does come back to the comics. Um, and the comics are what fund it, uh, long-term, uh, once this initial investment gets off the ground and it's, uh, it's those sales that come back in from all of those, you know, collected editions and back issues. Um, and, uh, I think that, I think that kind of, uh, is an icebreaker on the whole thing, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Pop Cultivator is actually a comic book creator studio from start to finish, right? Yeah. And, you know, so what's different before is what's, what people have been doing for years now, and it's gotten very popular in the last couple of years, is uh, one of the most popular ways to buy original creator-owned uh, content or, or independent creator content in comics is to go to places like Kickstarter, for instance, and, and support these artists and writers that are making these books. And um, so that the fans are already supporting, you know, the books anyway like this, but this takes it a step farther and says, look, you can actually own a piece of the company. You can literally buy shares for as low as a hundred dollars um, and, and have a piece of that. And it's, so it's kind of like an IPO, you know, it's like being able to go to the stock market and buy stock. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's this new kind of category of equity crowdfunding that came into law the last few years where, you know, it's, we don't have to, go the traditional route with, you know, big like angel investors or venture capital funds and give up the whole company to them, to people that don't really understand, you know, comics or, or have a passion for them. Uh, and we can, and we can also, you know, we can go directly to the individual to actually care about the medium. Okay. So pop cultivator will and, be 100% funded by, um, by the fans or whoever is the investor in that. And, and I'm just going to put a little disclaimer, you know, we're not a licensed broker and, you know, have to follow all your SEC rules and you can find Pop Cultivator on WeFunder as they're doing, currently doing their raise. Right, right, um, Josh? Yeah, yep. Uh, okay. It's WeFunder.com slash Pop Cultivator. Okay. And uh, just uh, another, um, so, so we're, it is actually, there's like nothing that stops us down the line from being able to get you know, bigger outside financing and to really, you know, blow this thing up. But, um, you know, the fans being such a big part of it and owning a piece of it are not just, uh, you know, making it possible. They're also, I mean, they're, they're, it's like you're having, it's like if every shareholder on your team is also sort of an evangelist for the company, who's going to be excited about it. And they're a check and a balance on it too, to make sure that we are doing things right, you know, because they, they know what's cool in the industry. They know what, you know, they have a, a, an affinity for. And if we're, you know, all of the promises we're making about the kinds of deals that we want to do with, 
with talent and the kind of uh, unique publishing uh, paths we want to take, they're there to like kind of chime in, you know, are, are we doing this right? And, you know, are we, are we taking care of things? Are we taking care of everyone properly? So that's, uh, that's what's kind of like really cool about this. Um, it's just refreshing, you know, it's like to be able to start a company like this from scratch that has, um, has the actual fan community involved with it from the beginning. Um, it's just unlike anything we've been able to do before. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And so, um, so what inspired you to go into the comic book business? Was there a film or how did you even start? Were you an art artist drawing? Oh man, it was, uh, I kind of was born drawing. Like I can't even remember when I started drawing. I was like two years old or something. That's what my parents always said. Um, there was always some comics laying around. Not my dad wasn't like a huge collector or anything, but there's always something like Conan and uh, the Hulk. Uh, I was a child of the '80s, so my pathway into you know similar tangential content was you know He-Man, GI Joe, Transformers, Voltron, and, and all those cartoons, which happens to have comics, especially GI Joe. And I um also being in the eighties, I was raised on a healthy, unhealthy diet of rated R action movies. <laughs> uh, like, like uh, that I probably should not have been watching, um, getting those on VHS, but, uh, very, very, you know, serendipitously, um, you know, GI Joe is the first comic book I ever really read religiously. And then years later when I was, you know, in my very early twenties, uh, after, it had been dead for almost a decade. I got the license to GI Joe um, to bring it back to comics. And uh, I had started Double View Comics, the company, but I did a deal with Image Comics and we published it and it became this huge hit. And that's really what put me on the map. Um, I had been self-publishing my own indie books starting about a year before that. <clears throat> Actually, no, several, several years before that, but, uh, Devil's Do just months before G.I. Joe came out. And then we also got the license to Voltron. Um, and you know, I really kind of, we can take credit, like that literally started the whole 80s retro cartoon boom in the comic book industry in the early 2000s and brought in, you know, like 100,000 new people back into the stores, if not more. And it kind of carved out what the whole comic landscape is like today. Those 80s retro licenses, believe it or not, are still there. Um, I mean, we did G.I. Joe for seven years, and we did other titles for seven years uh, from the 80s. And then we branched out into other licensed content. And um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of crazy. You know, now you look at the comic book landscape, and it's, it all, it's a million small publishers, and they all have different licenses and stuff. And ironically, we haven't done any license. It's all just been original content, including a lot of my own original creations, um, which uh, we actually today, today of all days, the first licensed property I've done in years. And that's because uh, Trailer Park Boys uh, came to us uh, to be part of their 20th anniversary program. And we're going to be launching Trailer Park Boys comics based on the Canadian TV show later this year congratulations um, <laughs> that's beautiful thanks so anyone listening that might want to um check out oh we slash uh so it's we funder w e 
um, and, and WeFunders is a crowdfunding platform and for pop cultivator. And you're, you, um, one of your supernatural cult favorites is Mercy Sparks. So can you tell me, so, so GI Joe and Mercy Sparks is some of the, um, comic books that you worked on. So what are going to be the type of comics you'll be publishing? You just said trailer park. So people are coming to you, which is really nice. Do you have any hints for the people listening? Yeah. Uh, Pop Cultivator is going to create content in all genres for all age groups. Uh, we've got, you know, more, uh, you know, adult oriented sci-fi and action and um, supernatural titles. But we've also, um, We've also got very younger skewing content. Uh, one of our key founding partners is Jose Garibaldi, and he actually is like one of the main contributing artists uh, on Dogman and Captain Underpants, who, uh, which is literally one of the best-selling books in the world right now, like not just comics, but books, period. Um, and it's been in the top 10 of the kids' category, selling over 100 million copies. Um, he worked. Uh, as the colorist on those titles, he worked as the designer on the Captain Underpants animated series. Um, and now his new book, uh, tentatively titled Ruby DIY, and another kid's book called History is Written by Victor. Um, really cute books that are both in the works through Pop Cultivator. They're going to um, be part of our initial launch. And uh, we've you can see some sneak peeks of that on the WeFunder page. Um, or if you're depending on when you're listening to this, uh, uh, just we uh, popcultivator.com. Um, we'll also have things posted there, and we'll keep everyone up to date on what the what the publishing partner is going to be for that uh, once it gets farther along. Um, and there's a there's a lot of stuff coming. We we actually kind of like what we're doing is all a lot of it's contingent on the funding. So uh, we're going to continuing to fund until the end of April, and I we have these a lot of contingent deals in place that are sort of triggered based on how much we rate. Um, but yeah, Ruby DIY, definitely. Um, there's another one called Mongrel, another fun kids book with a manga twist. Um, and uh, a couple of my own properties I'll be bringing over into the pop cultivator fold, uh, which is the encoded and arc world. And I want sci-fi title and another is a uh, fantasy sci-fi title that uh, sort of looks at the question of ancient Atlantis and was there actually an advanced lost civilization on Earth thousands of years before there was supposed to be anything like that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So we might have to talk because my um, podcast, Enchanting Book Readings, has hit number one around the world weekly since the launch last year in February. So maybe we'll have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my god yeah yeah that'd be great yeah and i can also promote any of the your up and coming you know uh, kid stuff on there as well and but i just wanted to know like you know where did you start you were you grew up did you grow up in savannah because you went to you were you a comic art student at savannah college of art and design could you tell us a little bit about that beginning because um some people out there are like how do i start where do i go and you know your story can inspire so many um brilliant artists that are up and coming Sure. Um, I uh, actually know I didn't go to that school, but uh, my book on self-publishing uh, honored to have as required reading there. Oh, okay, so you <laughs> uh, I, I wrote an actual prose book on self-publishing comics that um, one of the staff there put on as a requisite. 
Um, I, I came, uh, I was born originally in Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. Um, I kind of bounced around for a while, uh, living in Florida, living in Maryland, and then it ended up back in Ohio and Cincinnati. And, uh, right around that age, you know, I was getting hardcore into comics. Um, the, it was really the, the Batman movie, the 1989 Michael Keaton Batman movie that really got me going from beyond reading GI Joe comics as a little kid. And then, you know, uh, just obsessively drawing and writing my own superhero stories got me over into um, really reading comics like hard, like a lot <laughs> after that movie came out. Um, and uh, I just never stopped. And so when I was in high school in the 90s, there was all these publishers popping up out of nowhere because there was this huge boom going on. There was a glut of comics. Um, and I just got the bug. To, you know, I wanted to be hired badly, and I was short version as I was just too impatient. So I learned how to self-publish myself and how to get it distributed, and started um, self-publishing when I graduated high school. Um, I did a uh, um, started driving my crappy little car to conventions all over the Midwest, and, which a convention back then and it was like a little hotel ballroom with maybe 200 people in it, <laughs> um, and. Uh, yeah, I just uh, really what happened when I went to art, an art school for a couple of years to get my, you know, get my portfolio together for graphic design and to be able to cultivate a freelance business. But I fell into a day job after stumbling around. It was in a T-shirt uh, company, very, very small. There's like four of us total to the two owners and two employees. And I got to help launch this uh, and really take the lead on this line of 80s retro apparel. Uh, called old school that just took off like crazy. Um, and, uh, it was blew up in a hot topic and even stories back then, like dad Dukes. <laughs> um, and that's how I cut my teeth on licensing. I learned how all of those deals worked, uh, and was able to transition that over because I'm self publishing comics on the side. I started, you know, putting out these black and white titles, um, I mean, they would go to all the comic book shops. They would be circulated everywhere. Um, I just wasn't making a living off of it. And then I took what I knew from that licensing job and I got the GI Joe license. Um, and then once that, once that book hit, it was sort of like, it's sort of like a six year overnight success story, just putting out books, you know, that were under the radar. And then finally one hits big and then all overnight, you know, everyone thinks you have this hit book selling over a hundred thousand copies. Um, what was one of your favorite then, uh, books? What was one of your favorite books that hit? Oh, uh, from from where? From where? I'm sorry, I got cut out there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. For when you were, um, what was one of the first books that hit when you were self-publishing? Oh, it was. Uh, well, my first book was this little kind of cheesy thing called Minotaur, but I did a book called Misplaced. And those were just sort of chugging along. I did a, a book called Penguin Brothers, which we're actually looking at bringing back in Pop Cultivator, kind of coming full circle. It's a, it's a fun, cartoony book about all these penguins living in in uh, Chilshire, Antarctica. Um, uh, it was it was GI Joe. I mean, that was that was a hit licensed property. There had never been anything like that brought back from the '80s, and uh, I wrote it for the first two years. Um, I redesigned all the main star characters. Um, brought in some amazing artists to actually draw the book and 
you know, that from there, we just spilled out into all kinds of stuff. But I, you know, I came up from that indie background and reading all these, you know, kind of like a, a you know, little punk rocker kid slash one of, you know, aspiring entrepreneur. And, um, you know, my biggest personal claim to fame at this point uh, for my own creation is called Mercy Sparks. It's about this devil girl that secretly uh, lives on earth hiding as a human and she hunts down rogue angels for heaven. So she sort of uh, does heaven's dirty work that no one's supposed to know about. And it's really fun. It's irreverent. It's got a lot of humor in it. Um, you know, but it has like a lot of layers and a bigger universe to it as well. So um, like if you're kind of like if you're a fan of irreverent comedies kind of stuff like Deadpool, but also if you like the deeper stuff like Supernatural or Lucifer or Preacher, there's a little bit of all that mixed together. And uh, we actually just set that up um, with MGM Studios uh, this past year. So that is uh, hopefully going to be something people hear a lot more about. Um, that's fantastic. And uh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other podcast. You know, once once the, the once we really started to hit our stride, it wasn't long before um, Hollywood came knocking, and then we had, you know, when you know that whole experience of the mid two thousands when uh, graphic novels really started to take off with, uh, with all the movie studios. Yeah. And I just want everyone to know like, all, um, so Josh Balock, a little bit more about him. Um, he's worked with Hasbro, 20th Century Fox, Universal Studios, Paramount Pictures, Lorenzo, uh, D. Bonaventura, Michael DeLuca, Milo, Ventimiglia. Can you say that? Can you pronounce that for me? Uh, Milo Ventimiglia from uh, This Is Us. <laughs> yeah, in MERS and so many more. So um, what you're doing is just so fantastic. And I hope that the listeners will really just, you know, get behind your popcultivator.com, be part of your your vision of your studio. And also, you know, like what's the, um, you know, is it going to be online or will you have a brick and mortar location as well? Because, you know, you know, how has COVID affected your, um, your plans for that? Um, no, I mean, we're, the company itself, uh, is a, is a, is not going to really be a physical presence anywhere. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a creative studio. We all work remote and digitally now. Um, even before the pandemic, that's how, that's how all of, almost all the comic creative studios worked. But uh, as we grow, as our library grows, there's going to be some very cool opportunities to do events. And uh, one of our key founding members uh, who's going to be interacting with our uh, investor community, uh, Alma Silva, comes from that event world. Um, and I've done a lot of it myself, too. We're really looking forward to going big at certain conventions, um, sort of having all of our properties on display there and arranging for some cool parties and you know, when, depending on what tier someone is as an investor, one of our perks, too, is we can help them get access into those conventions. Uh, and, of course, they get access to parties and stuff that we might throw. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of, you know, just going on a little tangent, there's all kinds of fun stuff we can do with the perks with a crowdfunding equity like this. That's, you know, that's amazing. pretty much any shareholder can get digital comics. Um, there's... As it goes up, there's all sorts of access that we can offer. Yeah, so so there's a lots of incentives for the average comic book fan to get involved in your business. Well, if someone can't like um go yeah. so high, 
Like, is there something for your like a fan that's just an unaccredited investor? Do you have any goodies for them? That's the great thing about the equity crowdfunding is this is you don't have to be an accredited investor. That's the huge thing about it. Um, uh, and uh, they're, yeah, I mean, we're we're starting our perks low with a couple hundred dollars. So you can you can invest for a hundred dollars, and I don't have them off the top of my head. I should, <laughs> but uh, I think two hundred and fifty dollars is where they start. Um, they get you access to all of the digital digital copies of all of our books we're producing. Um, and then it, there's discounts that start very early on, you know, when it comes to actually, if you, you know, buying the physical product, if you do want it, sort of like if you bought Tesla stock and that automatically got you discounts when you wanted to go buy your Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm sorry, you, you asked about the brick and mortar though, and, and about the, how the pandemic might've affected things. Um, just for the industry in general, comics has actually gone up during the whole pandemic. Um, and I know several comic shops, just mom and pop comic shops that have literally had their best years they've ever had in history. And these are some shops that have been open for 30 years. Um, it's kind of like there was this huge growth in comics anyway, already happening. And, um, the, the whole recession and lockdowns just didn't stop it. Um, in some ways, it, in some ways it had helped it because comics really do show to be recession proof. Um, you know, it's still, it's not just, they always say it's a cheap form of entertainment, but I think it's beyond that. You know, it's, it's um, something, you know, just it's like reading, you know, you're, you're reading. So when you, you sit down and you really want to escape into something and not think about anything else, um, you know, there's the community aspect to it. There's a collector aspect to it. And, uh, it's, you know, from the, from a business perspective, it's, I've never been more excited about the medium because, you know, the market's already so strong, but now we've got millions of kids who are aging up very quickly. And that, you know, there's, there's a whole wave of those millions of kids reading those, you know, Captain Underpants and Dogman type of comics who are now coming in. They're reading manga. Manga now has finally eclipsed the kids' books, like more adult Japanese kind of uh, anime-style comics. And... Um, those are spilling over into all of the other amazing different genres of stories that are out there. And we've got millions of adults that are going to be coming into the industry very soon. Older, older teenagers and adults are going to, you know, wanting all different types of subject matter. One little fun trivia fact uh, is that um, superhero content is actually only about 15% of the comics that come out now, too. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, it's really, there's really something for everyone to read. Oh, that's wonderful. And so these comic books, you're also planning on making them into TV series and film series as, as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we've, um, you know, we, we want to, we really are sincere about not just wanting to turn things out. They really need to survive on their own and they need to be considered a success regardless of whether or not there is a, you know, another like, type of media deal. However, we, we're, we're, we're absolutely pursuing that. Um, you know, we've, we've got people on our team. Uh, you know, we have a network of producers we've worked with before. Um, you know, people we've set our own, like people I've set up my own deals with already on my own comic, other comic book projects and through my company that will do. Uh, Sean 
Lee Pasquale is uh, one person on our team who is uh, has a couple of screenplays in development right now. He's written himself. He's a story editor for uh, New York Times bestselling author. Um, he story edits numerous uh, comic book titles. So um, he's in Los Angeles as a director of development for us. Um, and then we are continuing to, we're building our network more. Um, I kind of like, I, I could name drop, but at the same time, you know, I, we, we know a lot of really, really cool people <laughs> in this space. Um, but, um, you know, I like to wait until those deals are actually locked in before we start to talk about those. Oh, sure. I just wanted to say thank you so much, uh, Josh, for coming on the show. It's incredible. Can you just share with people where they can keep up with what you're doing and support your work? Yeah, uh, again, uh, popcultivator.com. Uh, and that'll lead you right to the WeFunder page. Uh, go to uh, devildo.net. That's our main, my main comic book publishing company. And uh, if you have as I mentioned, Trailer Park Boys. I know there's a lot of fans out there. We just set a real easy landing page for that, trailerparkcomics.com, uh, and you can see what that's all about. And uh, yeah, just I said, you know, even you don't have to even invest in the WeFunder page. You can go there and literally just follow the campaign um, and keep tabs on what we're doing. Uh, you you know, there's some updates we send that are secret only for backers, or only for investors, but. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's worth checking out. And it's a really cool platform too, just if you're curious about it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, Filmatics and Moguls for listening. Until next week, stay healthy and uh, start writing. You never know if you might be scouted for a comic book. <laughs>